This podcast episode is between Tom Karadza and Spencer Gatton. Spencer has an amazing story to tell from acting to real estate investing, sales and coaching and moving to multiple cities in Canada. Spencer has had a full journey at the young age of 31. He's got incredible drive and ambition to live life on his own terms and he takes all the necessary action required to do so. He's an inspiring guy and this is a fun episode to listen to. If you want to meet incredible rock star members like Spencer Gatton in person, our biggest, baddest, your life, your terms event we've ever put together is happening soon on October, on Saturday, October 14th in Mississauga. We've had, uh, we had over 950 people at our last event. We're expecting over 1000 people to attend this event. The majority of whom will be local active real estate investors like Spencer who are actually out there taking action to live life on their own terms. Key emphasis on action there. If you're looking to meet inspiring investors like Spencer and pick up hot tips and advice from them on what's working for them on the streets of Ontario, you're going to want to attend this event. Sometimes it really is that one nugget of gold you get from chatting to someone at your table or in the event hall or lined up to get coffee that can have a huge impact on you. Not only that, the energy you get from these events can carry you forward for months and motivate you that you too can take on more action to create the life you want, like Spencer. Rockstar Inner Circle members get into this event for free, but the good news is if you're not a member, you can still purchase a ticket to attend this event. Go to www.yourlifeyourtermsevent.com to check out the event details and register now if you are a Rockstar member. If you're not a member, you can still see all the event details there and keep an eye out for the early bird ticket sale that we're opening soon. That's www.yourlifeyourtermsevent.com to check out the full event details and star-studded speaker lineup. And now, Spencer Gadden, everyone. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We are live with Spencer Gatton. Now I'm hesitating. I want to make sure I got it right. And uh, yeah, we were just saying Anthony Molinero has been doing a great job on the podcast. But every time I sit down in here, there's a little button pressed incorrectly, Anthony, or a little thing pressed. And I'm paranoid that I'm not going to record. And uh, I usually take blame for everything in my life. But I'm totally pointing the finger at him on that kind of situation. I blame a lot of stuff on Anthony, too. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, it's handy. It's it's easy to have an Anthony around and just blame (laughs) stuff on him. But Spencer, thanks for doing this. Thanks for coming in all the way from London to do it and uh we were just kind of chatting at a whole bunch of shit and i guess i'm just curious before we get into whole you know acting and real estate and what got you you there we were talking a little bit about why people in general don't take action for themselves in their lives like when you and i discovered real estate and you you know i got all excited about it and i told yeah. all my friends and they just look at me like well okay you do you man like i'm not going to go buy some rental properties in hamilton you know? yeah why why and 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 i don't think when you got into real estate did you come at the angle like real estate is the most awesome thing or was it like real estate that what real estate can do for you is the most awesome thing i think it was a little bit of both because it, i always looked at it as a freedom tool because when I was originally like, oh, well, why am I going to invest in real estate? It was kind of to build that actual security of retirement because I saw like, I, I wasn't even looking at the full economics and how, oh, how are we going to pay with these pensions and everybody's getting older and aging populations. And I wasn't even thinking about that at the time, but I was like, well, how can I guarantee a retirement was the original reason that I started to look into it. But then once I started to like pull the curtain back, I'm like, 
why isn't everybody doing this? This is amazing. This is the coolest thing ever. And then it's like, you can like almost, you know, what was it? 90% of millionaires became millionaires from real estate first. And, and then they use like the, you potentially have other business equity and other things, but like real estate is one of the most consistent things over time seen on balance sheets on millionaire balance sheets is real estate. And then every list that I saw that was like how to build wealth, how to get wealthy. It was top five on that, every single that's one. That's funny that you say that because when we started thinking about starting this business, I remember it wasn't our first choice. Mm-hmm. But then I had read all these different biographies and all these different books. And I think back then it was like Millionaire Next Door and The Millionaire Mind. And everyone who I researched seemed to have real estate in their lives, no matter what they were doing. So if they were starting a business that wasn't involved in real estate, they ultimately ended up having real estate in their lives to like preserve some wealth yeah. or make some money. And I thought, okay, I guess, and we'd already owned real estate. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I guess we're just killing two birds with one stone. Why don't we just, this was my brilliant breakthrough. Why don't we just start a real estate business. Genius. <laughs> no one's thought of this before. No one, he's ever done this in any of these books. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it's it just, it blows me away that more people don't get into it. So what, what is it? Like, why do you think some people don't get into just a hassle? Takes money, you gotta save, it's banks. Like, what I've always said with real estate is it, it's really simple, but it's not easy. And once people realize like, oh yeah, so I can do this. And then you look at the actual work and it's like, okay, well that's not going to be as easy as I thought. The money's great and the reward is there, but you just have to set up the systems and do the work and anybody can do it. You don't need to be a super genius to figure this out, especially if you work with coaches or any sort of like stand on the shoulders of giants. Yeah, someone who's done it before you, anyone. Yeah, exactly. Your your uncle, your neighbor, your buddy. Hey, what systems do you have in place for this? You know, and and that's gonna help you so much more. And not everybody needs to own a hundred doors, you know, go crazy. Cause even, I always tell people like, just get one, just get one. That's all you need to do. And you do not even have to have a business set up for one. You can just have one and fly by the seat of your pants and you'll probably be okay. And so it's like, if you have one and you have systems, it's like, that's in the you know background. It's burning. It's making you money. It's doing. So what do you think about this? How old are you right now? I uh, just turned 31. Oh my God. You know, like, you know, 69 years left, dude. Yeah, exactly. 69 years. You got to, you're not nice. A, we're, Mike and I always joke that after 50, because I'm now 50, I'm on the lap mm. back. They're like, oh, well, you're officially on the lap back. I mean, we're probably going to 100. We're probably not going past 100. So you're mm. on the lap back. You still on the first, you're still going. You're on the lap there. Yeah. You're not well, even on the lap back. You're young, you're a young buck. But okay, I have a question for you. It's It's becoming more and more obvious in the media that like, people who have rental properties will be vilified in some way, mm. rightfully or wrongfully. Um, what's your take on that? Because I feel always like, hey man, we're pushed to get real estate, not because you want to become a landlord and take care of somebody other, someone else's housing problems. It's the only way to kind of like outpace inflation is like to have these assets on leverage, you know, that kind of almost guarantee that you'll outpace the uh, M2 or like purchasing power decline of not having these assets. What, what, what's your take on that? Like, well, how do you approach that? Are you so, okay with it? Uh, well, I hate it. And that's why I just did a YouTube video called Why Do People Hate Landlords? Oh, did and, you? Oh, yeah, specifically okay. about this because um, a lot of like, you know, the Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. I'm just keeping calling yeah, it that's Twitter. Right. I'm not yeah, even calling X. it X. I'm just X calling is it wild. Because then on, on your phone now, it's actually X. The yeah, Twitter icon is gone and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um, 
people constantly complain, greedy landlords, this, you know, greedy landlords, that, but like when I think about the clients I work with or you work with or any of this, it's like, so I have a client right now, he's an investor, small investor, he's mom and pop. He's not this, you know, multi-billion dollar investment, um, class, like sure. organization. He's just a small guy who does investments. He bought this beautiful house, downtown London, but it's in horrible shape, but it's a historic home. It's in like a historic area. So the exteriors looks amazing, but inside it's big and it's going to be so expensive to fix. And and there's problems and guess what he out of his own personal pocket is now turning it into three units where we're in a city that has a rental um, shortage and people are complaining about rents and rents are so expensive and it's like well he's taking this on and I've seen his work because he's done multiple projects nice he does such a high-end job finishing he has a good relationship with his tenants so his tenants who do rent from him like him and he's creating three new units and then people are gonna call him a greedy investor it's like well he just created three homes he just created three safe, clean, reliable spaces for people to live. And then they're going to go, oh, well, he, he's an investor. He bought the house. He has multiple houses. Well, if one person bought that house, that would, it would be a single family home. Now three people are housed there. So like he created value to that area totally. to three different families now. And um, and he's not. He's so not what's the conclusion of your YouTube video? Um, they basically shouldn't be vilified that they, that because um, I do think there's slumlords. Sure. So okay. We, good point. That's so fair. We've it, all. Seen I talk it. about that in yeah, the video because yeah. I, I, I've walked through properties where I've gone like I cannot be, believe people had to pay rent to live in these and know that this person was making money off the back of these people. So we do need to give tenants some credit, like renters who are out there, because some of them had horrible experiences because we the Fair. problem is guys like us, we know we're good landlords. We keep our places safe, clean and reliable. And that's what you need to do. And, you know, we call the appliance guy when the appliances need to be fixed and we take care of those things. So like you can call any of my ex tenants. They're probably going to say good things probably going to say, yeah, was happy to rent there, um, you know, and I moved on, went to another place, blah, blah, blah. And then you go to like, so you see the slumlord scenario and it's like, yeah, okay, well, I get why you hate landlords because you were paying this guy the entire time. There's mold in the corner. Your fridge is broken, all these mm -hmm. things. So I'm like, all right, guys, like the ma and pa people who are just trying to protect their wealth. And I talk about this in the video because now knowing what we know, there's only really one way to protect your wealth when we are in this fiat money system, which is owning some sort of asset or having some level of investments, whether you're just dollar cost averaging into the markets and just keeping your money active. But I prefer hard assets. You prefer yeah. hard And unfortunately, assets. you have to own them on leverage because it's the leverage that outpaces the decline in your purchasing power. Yeah. Which I know kind of sucks to say because leverage is, I, I'm not trying to say leverage is great and everyone should leverage to the to the hilt, but you know, it's the leverage of real estate, putting 20% down on a property, when that property goes up 10% on the 20% down payment, you've actually made a 50% gain. Mm -hmm. So it's the leverage that lets you outpace the M2 growth, which is destroying your purchasing power. Yeah, It's actually the leverage of real estate that is also the beautiful part of the real estate. But it's a double-edged sword because you play that game incorrectly, you can't get through moments like now where you maybe aren't liquid. Yeah, It can also be your downfall. Yeah, it's, it's tough because you have to find the line because it's like, okay, do I want five properties all leveraged or do I want two that I can work towards paying down and then paying and off survive. leverage and survive, yeah. right? And that is finding the balance, but in, in exactly protecting your money, it we need to use the leverage. I've been- It's shit. It sucks because <laughs> you're now like, you know, you're scared a little bit yeah. because especially if you have five mortgages, yeah, that's a lot of mortgages to think like, hey, these are levered properties. It's always why people have always 
approached Nick and I and like, I don't understand why you guys aren't pushing. Like, why don't you have like a thousand doors? I even hate that language or like, why yeah, I hate this and that? I'm like, you don't understand. We went through the nineties mm-hmm. where from 1990 to 1996 pro- properties ground down for six years in price. Yeah. And the only people who survived were the real estate investors that had the liquidity to survive. If you were over leveraged, then you almost lost everything. Our family almost lost everything. We're never putting ourselves back in that situation. It's why we've always been a little, maybe, you know, the, yeah, have you heard us talk about the three buckets, like half yeah. cash, like, and everyone discounts that they're like, Oh, that's like, whatever. Like we know that has cash. We're like, no, like the cash in, and I, on some slides that I used to put that on, it would say underneath it for emergencies and deflation. Mm, oh, in, interesting. Yeah. Like, on there as well. Yeah. Like, I'm like, you need to be ready because it can, this can actually serve you really well. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Yeah. No. And, and it's just, like you said, it's tough finding like we, how do we get the relationship with the tenants and the renters and be like, guys, like we are helping. So work with us on this and then everybody wins because they try to, you know, greedy landlords are, they're buying all the properties. And I never understood that because like, even if you're buying a single family home as an investor and you're renting it out, that's still a home because they say they're taking away all the homes, yeah. but it's like, well, somebody's living in it. Yeah. They act like it just disappears because yeah. the investor bought it. It's like that investor bought that home. Now it's gone. It's like, well, somebody's living in it, obviously. So then again, finding the balance and then, you know, we need to hold slumlords accountable as other yeah. landlords would be like, Hey man, you can't do that. Like that's illegal. You know, when they have a, a bad unit set up. Oh, or God. There, I remember at York university, we used to have a student rental there. And, uh, one of the students came into ours. We had seven bedrooms done properly. The basement, we had like this beautiful Ikea kitchen, which I don't know if Ikea, I think Ikea now is like considered nice kitchen. Yeah, back is, back yeah. then we were like, really, we can do this with Ikea. We were all yeah. proud of ourselves. And it had a, we paid to have a separate entrance. So this basement had two entrances, one right mm-hmm. outside, one up into the higher level of the, of the house. Like, beautiful separate entrance, seven bedrooms, all well laid out. Everybody had space, uh, two kitchens. I can't remember any bathrooms, four or five bathrooms, tons of bathrooms in the house. The students loved it. And I remember we were re-renting it and one guy came and said, this place is awesome. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I mean, I know it's pretty good, but like you're freaking out. Why is it so awesome? He goes, there's a guy around the corner. He has 22 bedrooms in the same house that is your layout. 22? 22. And he goes, some of the bedrooms, the doors open to the hallway, they can't fully open. They didn't fully swing open, so you had to kind of shuttle out. I kid you not. And I remember talking to a firefighter later and saying, you know what kind of fire, like the the violations. Yeah, the violations on this thing are just through the roof. So it was a newer build. So it wasn't actually like a slum, like it wasn't slummy inside. It was actually nice, but the way it was built was a slumlord house still. So you can see this slumlord thing like all over the place. But yeah, 22 bedrooms, all rented to students by York University. Sounds like it was built by Jigsaw from the Saw movie. I know. <laughs> if you open the door, and your neighbor's bedrooms not getting out. In yeah. the same house that we, we thought was a miracle, we put seven in nicely. This yeah. person put 22. I'm like, oh, oh my shit. gosh, yeah. But uh, anyway, so how, walk me through, you know, you're a young guy. I feel like you've been in real estate. I feel like you've seen cycles of real estate already and you're, you're so young. But how does this journey start? So, like, do, do we go into your acting life here? Like, where does, how does yeah, this I, I all unfold? Because it all kind of started. There was you're like an a, interesting case. <laughs> there was a you're change. a freaky dude. And I mean that as a compliment. Okay. You know, you're up to a lot of crazy shit. Yeah, I've lived a couple lives. Because <laughs> there's even like, you know, when I tell the story, there's going to be some stuff that I, I don't even think I've mentioned to you as well. But I mean, like, so originally I went to university. I didn't want to go. School's always 
sort of been easier for me. Like I've never been interested in it, but I've never struggled with it. So um, like math, English, those subjects. Yeah, not a problem. Mm. Um, and then not like I'm a super genius. I just am competent yeah, yeah. in it. Didn't struggle. Yeah, did the work. And uh, so got into university, went to McMaster, played football. Originally, that's like the reason I chose McMaster. Mm -hmm. That's the um, six too. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah, for, yeah. We were talking earlier. Spencer is the shortest of all his brothers at six two, which is Chaos. Well, yeah, I'm six one. My bro oh, sorry, other, other brothers, yeah, you're yeah. a short. I'm the shortest. You're, That's you're six only one. six one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, because my oldest brother's six five, which is like you know outlier tall. And um, so, yeah, when I went to university, it was only for football. Like, I didn't care about school at all. Like, I had no interest. And my older brother was already an electrician by then, so I saw him at a young age working and making money mm -hmm. and being able, like, you know. So, what were you enrolled in it, Mac? Um, well, originally it was just sociology, okay. and then. Um, I, like I said, I went for football, but then I hurt my knee and so I couldn't play football. And then I was like, well, why am I in school? This is a big waste of time. And, uh, I'd always wanted to do acting. And then, um, I had held back on it because I was like an athlete sports guy and it's kind of hard to like balance both. And then classic, like people kind of jab at you in high school. Like, sure. You're doing yeah, acting yeah. attack vector. on Yeah, your life, exactly. Sure. <laughs> so I waited on that. Uh, and then I was like, well, I hate school. I got accepted actually into honors at Mac for the second year awesome. and I was like, I'm not going to do this. And like, I saw the student debt building up too, cause I didn't have money to go to school. So almost my entire year was funded OSAP. on OSAP <laughs> and debt. So I was like, okay, well I can continue this and just continue to build up debt or I can move to Vancouver and become an actor. And that was like the two options, I guess. It was like, okay, build up debt in university. Oh, wait, so why Vancouver? You knew someone out there. There was an idea. No, I didn't know anybody. Oh. So um, it's just like, it's considered Hollywood North. Yeah. Well, Toronto's since this is a long time ago. This is 2012. So um, tr back then, Vancouver was way bigger for acting and film and everything like that. Toronto's caught up to it. Maybe even, I, I hesitate to say past it, but it's certainly grown a lot where you can definitely do as much as you want. You don't need to move to Vancouver anymore. But back then it was like a... A more of a hub yeah it was kind of the hub where you, you thought of it. it's like la mm. but for canada so then i was like i guess i'll move to vancouver and then just without knowing anybody i just moved to vancouver and then um where'd you live so i actually rented a guy's uh living room and all i had was like a curtain no. <laughs> yeah in the living room and then he put like a rod in the yeah there was just a rod across the living room and i just had a curtain and the, the, it was a it was a two-bedroom place and both the bedrooms were rented out and then i was in the living room and then so you we, were in the slumlord house. That yeah, we finished talking about exactly. You shared the kitchen. Uh, we all shared. We shared everything. Yeah, there was only one bathroom, uh, one kitchen, and then all of us shared it. And I was just like behind this curtain in the living room. That was my full privacy. And uh, so then I was kind of doing background acting while I was there. I got on set and I was having this conversation with this lady. So you immediately got some background? Yeah, background's easy. Oh, okay. um, background, you just need to get... You're just one of those guys literally in the background walking Literally around. just okay. walking. You're okay. like, hey, walk this hallway, pretend you're a student type thing. And um, so then there was this uh, woman on set and uh, we were kind of like had a bit of banter going like we we're just having a conversation and there's a lot of downtime when they're moving cameras and they're doing those things and we're joking around and then um they're like actors to set and then she gets onto the set she was one of the like Lee? actresses on the show i didn't know this because it was a new pilot that was filming and uh i was like oh oh no and then um so we, we're having this conversation and then after she comes back and i was like oh like i didn't 
know or whatever, like, cause it's, you know, new experience to me. And she's like, Hey, like, I kind of really like your story. She's like, I want to get you in touch with my agent. And then, so that's how I got my, the, to have the conversation with the agent in Vancouver. And he's like, well, what are you doing in Vancouver? You're from Ontario. He's like, just go back to Toronto. He's like, this is silly that you're here. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well I did just move here, but, uh, I guess I'll move back. And then, so I moved back to Toronto. No. Yeah. And then, um, luckily I think this is just a testament to in life action beats meditation. Like I meet a lot of people who meditate on a lot of stuff and I've done a lot of meditation yeah. over the years too, but sometimes just fucking getting up and doing shit trumps everything. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it does. And, and I, I'm a big, like I've always kind of said, like I'm a really good plow in the farm. Yeah. I get that and from you. Having, having the people <laughs> head injured, yeah. just going to go forward. <laughs> having the people behind me to like plant the seeds and water is like, that's like the partnership that works really well. Cause like usually I'll like kind of bang my head against the wall. Were you the, you were, you're not big enough to be the center in football. No, I was a okay. receiver. So oh, okay, but the, okay. the one thing that actually funny enough is like, uh, my hands were brutal. Like I was just really fast. And <laughs> so the ball would hit you in the head. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of my, a lot of my, uh, routes were through the middle. And so smash the I was just getting lit up by linebackers <laughs> all the time. And then so the the head coach of Mac was like, yeah, you're a really scrappy receiver. You're not scared to like catch a pass through the middle, which basically means like, yeah, you're not scared to get beat up. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. Thanks for that's like my skill that I bring to the team is like I'll get cleaned up by a linebacker. <laughs> oh, shit. And uh, the linebackers were loving you. Who's this moron? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and it, well, I think part of it was because when I played high school, uh, I played like for the uh the like city teams outside of high school and a bunch of the guys who I played with all had like great CFL careers. And oh, wow. Like cool. they were lighting me up back then. Like there was one time I, got, I didn't know people from this area go on to play professional eight, one, eight, one guy who's four or five years ahead of Aiden at Holy Trinity here in Oakville. He just signed as the back a QB two. I think he's going to make QB two for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah nice. He just played Holy Trinity here in Oakville. Yeah. Hope I have the team right. I don't think it's Tennessee. I think it's Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, a lot more Canadians going down to the NFL. Yeah. These it's days. crazy. I had yeah. no idea. But uh, but anyway, sorry. Keep, yeah. Keep so going. then you move uh, back to Toronto. Move uh, back to Toronto again on a couch in a living room with a curtain. No curtain. Oh, just shit. it was you a downgrade. Yeah, I downgraded. Oh, How do you downgrade? From I know. I was. Uh, I had a curtain. I was like, man, I, had, I was living luxury in Vancouver, <laughs> and uh, so then. Um, but it was my friend who actually was I met at Mac first year, but he failed out of school. Okay. And then he had good a good circle. You're exactly. Saying. Yeah. So then he had a condo there, and then the worst part was did he have a lot of debt too, or? Uh, uh, just the no, debt he, he didn't have any debt. Okay. He was fortunate enough um, that he didn't. But uh, like the place wasn't even a one bed or a two bed or anything. It was literally like a, they called it a junior one bed. So it's like base. It's got like a, a kind of divider wall, but we're kind of in the same room, oh. just sleeping in this like same, same room. So I, I, I always like say like thanks to him because he didn't have to let me like sleep on his sure, couch. He just knew I was trying to like act in Toronto. And then that's when I got my first agent. Like I was taking acting classes and doing okay. all that stuff. And then that's when I started booking and I was like getting commercials and I was doing small TV shows and I was doing stuff like that. And then what were some of the commercials you did? I did like Rogers and I did like some, you know, tool companies and some other, actually one of my Rogers campaigns was called um, like Rogers back to school, but not made to share. And it was on every university. So no. all the, my face was postered on every, your buddies just love. Yeah. They that. kept, they stole a poster for me because it was huge. <laughs> 20 foot high. Head. It was massive. Yeah. It was such a big, I used to have it in my bedroom cause it was, it honestly was probably like a, a three foot by like four foot or yeah, yeah, like I believe five it. foot yeah, poster yeah, yeah. that they took. Um, I don't know if you know JP 
Gulbis, who works with us, he was like a male model. Oh, okay. And a Bell Simpatico. I don't know if you remember. Bell had this thing. Their internet was called Simpatico for the longest time. I don't know if they still use that name. Yeah. And in Vancouver, somebody was driving down the highway and they see a full out billboard with just JP's head full size <laughs> on the billboard. So I don't know how many feet that is, like 20 yeah, feet. Yeah, they're huge. You know, and he's kind of like giving the thumb up like next to him, his head or something like that. So yeah. we always gave him a hard time about this, you know, like, That's hey, funny. man, you selling any Bell Simpatico stuff like that? Mr. Billboard. <laughs> yeah, totally. But okay, so you're you're plastered everywhere. Um, and then uh, I started to actually get like the auditions for big roles now, like life-changing stuff. Oh. Uh, like Netflix leads and stuff that I'm like, okay, like if I were to get this, like I'm an actor now, like I'm a full time wow. actor, but I'm living on a couch and I'm working minimum wage at American Eagle, you know, broke every month. And you know, that was, that didn't uh, bother you though, did it? It didn't bother no. me at the time cause I was pretty young. Okay. So like, I didn't think about like long term. but, um, we had had a family friend, like my dad's family friend who had pursued acting his whole life and he didn't invest at all. And he kind of just worked odd jobs mm. his entire life. And I saw like, he lived in a small apartment like later in life. And then unfortunately he's passed away now, mm. but super nice guy. And, but the thing is he, like, he never made it in acting and he had nothing to show for yeah. it. And so then, um, I auditioned for a Netflix show and it was the lead and I got brought back three times, which is like kind of a, you know, that's like, Hey, you're we're close. really you're thinking close. about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, in my, in my mind, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, am I going to get this show like and it, and it has three seasons on netflix so like again would have been pretty life impacting uh situation and um i didn't get it Shit. and then my agent was like he was i didn't know this but he my agent was struggling financially at the time so oh. he was kind of like waiting for me to get that show oh. that would have changed his like you know got him so then i didn't get it and then like a month later he's like yeah i'm shutting down the agency oh. and yeah. um he left the business entirely and he's not even agent. He's not in showbiz anymore at all. Um, and that was like, wow. you know, kind of the original foray into it. And then I had no agent and I was stuck and I had no money. And I was like, what age is this? Uh, I would have been like 22, okay. 21, okay. 21. Cause I, yeah, it would have been technically like my like second or third year of university ish. Okay. Uh, 21. And uh, so, like, it's not like life was over or anything. It's just I had and you had made some money because of some of these commercials and some of these other things. Yeah, and it was it's never enough to like you know yeah, but it was a, a full time wage. But yeah, yeah. and I was working part time to kind of like pay my buddy to sleep on his couch and like cover mm -hmm. those bills. But then it was I wasn't even having enough to really like save. And that's when I was like, okay, I should probably regroup here and then maybe save up a little bit of money because I had no savings. So I was like, I'll save up a little bit of money and then I'll get an agent again and I'll move mm -hmm. to Toronto again. So then I moved back home for a little bit. And then while I was kind of in that like saving building phase, like I said, I was, I was like, how do I retire as an actor and then have a retirement so that I'm protected so that I don't end up like the family friend who, you know, passed away with nothing. And every single list was, Real estate, real estate, real estate. There was some crazy ones. Sure. Because yeah. there was a while where I was, um, I don't know if you ever heard about this, but like they were like, oh, if you're building a side hustle, one of the side hustles you can do is you can just um, make like 10 emails and then just enter online contests all the time. And yeah, then you really? can win the prizes and then just sell the prizes Probably or you can like do all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was trying to do that for a while. I never won anything. I didn't win <laughs> even one thing. So I'm like, what's going on with this? But um, so that was like, oh, my side hustle for this. And then, you know, a lot, obviously a lot of them said like, you know, stocks and equities and, and sure. stuff like that for uh, investing, but almost every single list was real estate, real estate, real estate. And I was like, I think I got to investigate real estate. Like I knew nothing. Yeah. It's about almost it. like, okay, I, I, I've seen it enough. Like there, there's 
got to be something here. Yeah, exactly. I was like, it's making sense. And then um, so I started to read more about it. And at this point, I was working at the bank um, and I was like, well, I really want to do this. And most of the people like I started to listen to some real estate podcasts um, and uh, because this was like, you know, a few years down the road. And uh, at the time, some of them were saying like, oh, get into sales, get into sales, get into Mm -hmm. sales. Like all of them were saying Mm -hmm. like, because it's the only way you can really control your income and Mm -hmm. you build your own worth like in a corporation. And you learn about yourself, self-confidence, you face rejection constantly. You have to communicate well, you speak well. You know, it's, it's yeah, just a big great, skill building. Totally. And um, they weren't even talking about like being a real estate agent. They were just saying sales, any like sales. any sales, yeah. like whatever. Yeah. And uh, I was working at Scotiabank and no matter how much work I did that day, the person right beside me got paid the exact same mm-hmm. amount of money and they worked half as hard as I did. Exact same amount of money. And I was like, yeah, sales is like, that is annoying. Like, you know, I want to get paid for what I'm worth and blah, blah, blah. But then uh, before I was like, I'd always wanted to move to Japan. So mm, I forgot this part about your yeah. story. Holy <laughs> shit. So then I was like, okay, I do want to do real estate and I want to do acting, but I want to get Japan out of the way. So I'll move to Japan. And then I just moved to Japan. What was the appeal to Japan again? Um, well, for one, like I, was I girlfriend or something. No, no, I, I did end up with a Japanese girlfriend after I moved oh, back, okay. funny enough okay. in Canada. <laughs> and, uh, but she, no. So I, uh, I'd always loved the food. I love the culture. And then, um, like I started eating sushi like before it was cool, <laughs> like pretty young at an age. And like, so stuff like that where I was like, oh, and then, you know, I learned about other types of Japanese food, like other noodles that were like not as popular. Like we all know kind of like ramen and stuff like that, but like people don't know about like soba noodles, which is like my favorite one. And cool. so like, you know, I liked all that stuff. And then I was like, okay, well I'll go teach English for a year there. You can get the visa. Um, but I didn't want to do an entire year. So when I got there, everybody who wanted to contract, they wanted a 12 month contract. And I was like, can you do shorter than that? And all of them were like, no, we want 12. And I didn't want to start with a company because they were all like pretty professional businesses. I didn't want to start with a company and then leave them like kind of in the lurch. Mm-hmm. So then I ended up more of a, um, Private. I guess you could say tourist. I didn't work while okay. I was there. I just kind of hung out. Okay. And then so because, living off the savings that you had accumulated. Yeah, exactly. Account. So then I was spending your decision-making process is like super interesting to me. Like you just decide and then you, what's the gap between deciding and doing? Like, it's pretty quick. It seems like you just like, oh shit, okay. I'm gonna move back to, I'm gonna move to Vancouver. Then I'm gonna move back to Toronto. Then I'm gonna yeah. move home. Then I'm gonna go to Japan. Is this, I, this I definitely is, take action on stuff. Like I would say, like I used to be a horrible analysis paralysis person. Where when, just when like, you were like eleven? No, like I mean, yeah, I mean, part, <laughs> I still am. Like I'm I'll definitely like you know, if it comes to. Uh, Oh, am I gonna? If somebody invites me to a party mm. on a weekend, I'll have to like think about it for really? a bunch of days before I'm like, hey, I'll oh, move to I, Japan on a whim. But yeah, am I gonna be too busy on that Saturday? Am I gonna do this? But then like, I, I was like, yeah, sure, I'll move to Japan. And then I did have Wild. a friend who I had met when I was in Toronto, who was in Japan, and she was gonna make the transition a little easier. Um, she wasn't a girlfriend or anything; she was mm. literally a friend. And um, say whatever you gotta say. Yeah, <laughs> no, she's she's amazing because she helped me get set up. She helped me like with all the documents and the hard cool. stuff. So that made the transition a little easier. It wasn't going in a hundred percent blind. And then, uh, yeah, so I went there, I did a few months there and then my brother was getting married. And so I came back for his wedding and then I just didn't go back because that's when I was like, okay, I should probably get a job. You know, my intention was to get a job. Um, and part of it, oh, I forgot to mention this. Um, I was going to do acting. I thought you were going to say wrestling in Japan. No, but I was going to (laughs) do acting in Japan. So I, I did get with actually a background agency in Japan while I was there. Um, but they never called for anything. I don't know. So I guess they didn't need white guys in Japan. No, yeah, yeah. They saw you Um, like, who's this six foot one? Well, I've always been told I have a face for radio. So that really, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, that's what they said in all the casting rooms. So like, have you considered 
radio? And I was like, oh, uh, sure. But um, the, uh, yeah, so the part is, yeah, I was going to do some acting out there while I was doing that. And nothing happened from it. So there was nothing like keeping me there. And then um, I was listening to, again, podcasts and Mm -hmm. everything. And then I came back and I was really fortunate that I got with a company that was like a sales grinding company. No, awesome. Basically, like you, you, you're from traditional sales background. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like how they talk about like Xerox sales. Mm -hmm. So I was in uniforms and facility services company called Unifirst. And it's like, same thing. They have Unifirst university for their sales team. Oh, wow. And, um, they like certify you as a sales rep. And if you can do it, you actually learn so much. So, um, that was kind of my foray into Mm -hmm. sales was like one of the most grinder type sales roles where it's a commoditized had to do this. But my mentor was amazing. And he was like, he he was known in the company, famous in the company internationally. So I didn't know this until later on, but he was like the top sales rep when he was a sales rep, he was the top sales manager. Now he's like the head of national account. What, what, What made him so great? Do you think? Um, I've never seen a guy work so hard Mm. in my life. So like I, he, first of all, he knew the business inside and out. There was nobody who knew it more than him. And then also he just was really good at conversations, listening, finding the pain. And then when he would find the pain in the sales scenario, he was great at being like, Hey, listen, you know, the, the squeaky uh, wheel gets the grease. Let's find out what's going to happen with this. How can we improve? Mm -hmm. You know? And so we had what was called like a customer needs analysis. And he was just so good at digging for pain so that he could find the solutions that we could provide. And he was just like incredible at listening and finding that detail. You're so lucky to get that mentor, man. Oh, he was an amazing sales mentor. And, um, so to this day, like I credit like most of my sales stuff to him. He's awesome. And, uh, and he, he wasn't like ever trying to trick people. He wasn't ever trying to like, Oh, if you do this sales technique, you can convince yeah. somebody to do it. He horrible was horrible sales. No, that's the horrible sales. That, exactly. And that's what most people think sales yes. is, but it's not. And that's why, um, I tell people who are not in sales now, like get into sales in some capacity because it's not about tricking people. It's no. not about convincing them. It's about listening and finding like needs. And then how can you help that? with your company because sometimes not everybody's even a fit for your customer like for your profile of what you're selling as a product and you go like hey i don't think we can help you and they're going to respect that versus you trying to sign them up onto some you know oh yeah you guys don't need this blah 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 but i'll I'll try and convince you to sign up yeah the close on a sale should just be understanding the prospects benefits so well that you can present your solution to their problem and if there's a match there the close should be so obvious to both parties that the next step should just look like what do you think i I think we got something here don't don't you and then that's the whole close yeah like it should be so obvious to both parties that there's a fit that the close is easy, not some tricky, sleazy, snake oil kind no, of bullshit. And, and he would set expectations so well. So like the meeting before, he'd be like, listen, I would love a yes. I can handle a no. The only thing I don't have time for is a maybe. So next time do we meet, assume, uh, assuming that all of this makes sense, do you think you could give me a yes or a no? Yeah, mm-hmm. I can give you that. Yeah, next that's time called an upfront contract. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. And he doesn't expect the yes. He said, I just need a yes or a no. I just mm-hmm. can't do a maybe next time we meet. Awesome. And then you've set the expectation. And then he would do, he'd say, like, listen, because we would do like facility tours and blah, blah, blah. He'd say, here's how we can absolutely help you guys. Here was all your pain points. And then by the time he would present, they're like, give us the contract. These people are like wanting to sign up. So I was like watching this guy who just knew how to help people. Yeah. And then he also worked like he was six to six every day and then also knew how to help people. And I was like, oh, okay, this guy's just like an outlier completely. And um, so, yeah, he helped me. And that, but once I was on uh, the road doing this like uh, commission sales role and stuff, I was just 
now it's podcasts all day. Hmm. And um, so then this was including you guys as well. Cause I've always, oh, been, I've you were been, around then. Well, this is years later, right? Like this Shit, is how old are we and how young are you again? Yeah, no. <laughs> um, Cause this is uh, you know, we're talking like later that I would have been on the road a lot. Like, okay. even, like, Oh my gosh. So you're the person who said, mentioned our pod- podcast to Connor. Yeah, I'm the one who got Connor. Yeah, I remember someone. Yeah. Connor told me that that somebody told me to listen to your podcast. His friend Spencer, who he mentioned. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I think I knew that, and I've forgotten. Holy yeah. shit! So, because I, I, I think I've been listening. I don't know. So you just stumbled upon us somewhere? Yeah. Well, I was just always searching for like Canadian real estate mm. podcasts because you know I was listening to some of the other. The first one I listened to was like uh, Rob and Sandy McKay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Rob Brake. Not. Yeah. Were, no, yeah. I was just talking to Rob this morning. Yeah. How freaky is that? that yeah. They were, they were the ones who got me started because they got me in touch with my real estate coach. The first real estate coach. How wild. Um, who helped me like get started uh, was from their podcast, but they weren't the only ones. That's just who I got my coach from. And uh, yeah, so I like I was always like rock star adjacent for years, but it That's took so cool. a long time. I actually it's funny because I got Connor to listen to Rockstar and I was like, if you want to get started in personal development, because it wasn't just he wasn't just about real estate at that time. It was personal development. Yeah, I remember finance, yeah, it was yeah, all yeah, these yeah. things. And I was like, you have to listen to Rockstar because it has the diversity of content that you want because it's got you know, business building. Yeah, that's right. We got to change <laughs> you know that intro. I mean? We got to change and, that intro. Yeah. We're so overdue on changing <laughs> yeah. our intro. Let's <laughs> go. And I um, can't believe that's our intro. Still. We have a running joke in here that like, that's the most embarrassing intro in all of podcast land. You know, I don't know. I like it because it gets me ready. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. Let's go. Yeah. We're ready for the rockstar episode. <laughs> oh shit. Um, but okay. So you told them that and, and you're, so you're listening to these podcasts. Yeah. And then, um, that's just like originally what got me started with my coach. And again, so the whole reason I was just wanting to do this, my goal was just three properties because if I had, um, money saved mm-hmm. and I had three yeah. properties, I could pursue acting and never have to worry again because three paid off properties by the time I retired, oh. that's a built in. And cause, and that was assuming I made zero money as an actor, right? Yeah. Like just apply any appreciation rate to those three properties. Yeah. I was like, if I can just do three, yeah, I can Gold. be an actor and I can make zero dollars. I can work minimum wage for my whole life. I've got three properties and I'm set. And um, then I got into real estate. And that's when we were talking, circling back to the beginning. I look behind the curtain and I'm like, wait, why isn't everybody doing real estate? And then I just got like sort of sucked into it because I saw the opportunity. That's and exactly I, what happened to me. And I'm going, yeah. well, it, it's all right here. Yeah. 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 Everything he needs right here. So then that three properties jump to like, well, maybe I should do a hundred, you know, like then your your number goes crazy and you're working with a coach who's like telling you to think big. And and I do think that's important. Um, I never needed a hundred properties. I'm not going to have a hundred properties. Like that was just like the number early on when you get so excited and you're, did you overextend, did you get to a certain amount of properties where like, holy shit, I got to dial it back. Yeah. Like go through that phase. Cause I think that's a normal phase for people like, oh my gosh, more, more, more. And then you're like, wow, this is a bit too much. Yeah. The hard part was when I, cause I started investing in Niagara first, all my first properties were in Niagara. Even though you were living in London. Well, funny enough, I moved to Niagara to to invest. Of course you did. (laughs) Well, couch the curtain um no so no that time was a little bit better i oh. did i did rent a place but it wasn't great uh and then i lived in one of my properties when we did a basement suite so like i lived in the upstairs so i've lived in it man good yeah. for you well i moved 20 times in 10 years oh um, shit just because i was like in and out of properties and units and like trying to get that so i was like so what did you do in the sorry you moved there and you were just trying to buy as many as you could yeah so then i was working with the coach who was like encouraging me like hey you know you, you can get to 100 doors and i was like oh i want to be full-time real estate because if i can build this real estate income then i can do acting for sure and i always sort of had acting in like the back of my mind but it was like 
it, it just kept falling further and further away. And um, it was going back to like, oh, well, with real estate, you can live life on your terms, mm -hmm. which I viewed as acting at the time. Sure. Um, and but like really your life on your terms, it doesn't have to be one specific thing. It's just controlling your life, yeah, how you get a bit of freedom. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, so uh, I started Niagara and then started to invest in London. Okay. And then I had moved to London. Back to London. <laughs> and then so uh, it was See, like when you get involved with something, you just like you move there, yeah, man. Exactly. Well, because I, I and, well because I like to be. You should invest in Singapore. I know. You exactly. I'll be in Singapore. Singapore. <laughs> Six months. No. Uh, so I've I've slowed the moving. I've lived in London for the last like four years. Oh now. my god! So, like that's been like the longest. But I've, I have moved multiple times in, in London. London. Okay, good. Because, Thank God. Yeah. There, to, just to keep up the, but I've been in London four years. But I've lived in like four different of my units in London. <laughs> Um, but I've got a place now. I've got a house, like an actual house. Just for, not, just just for you? For me. Yes. No. Yeah. Holy so shit. I'm not moving. You right should now. put up a rod with a curtain just for shits and giggles. People funny. come over. <laughs> What's that there for? Oh, that's the luxury room. That's <laughs> the guest room. Um, so yeah, then, uh, but sorry, did you overextend your, did that you was hit where a I felt a little stretched okay. when, when it was in between. Cause what was it just like too much, uh, I don't know, too much debt, like not enough cash flow happening. Yeah. I was, was trying it? to, cause you know, I was working with some JVs yeah. and, um, finding a, a, a JV partnership that works really well is mm -hmm. tough enough in mm -hmm. itself. Yeah. And then you're in multiple cities. And then, cause I was trying to do Kitchener Waterloo places where yeah. I was doing some stuff at that. So it was kind of three different cities, multiple JVs kind of stretching. And I was like, okay, this is hard to do, mm -hmm. um, without being like an area specialist and then like zoning in and having the right partners and having, so what did you do? Did you sell any? Yeah. So I don't own any of the Niagara ones. Okay. Anymore. Let those go. Yeah. So, um, did you lose money on those sales? Did you manage to get out break even? So I've made, made money on all of them. Awesome. Um, the one was, like I would say closer to break even, but we still made money. Yeah, good um, for you. But the uh, the annoying thing is almost all of them were sold right, right before COVID. Literally yeah. like months. So they doubled. They doubled or whatever. Yeah, I'm watching. Like literally in in 12 months, I was like, okay, that's never going to time. It. More. Yeah. never going to time. Yeah, and I tell people that all the time. I'm like, listen, the only like I still made money on all of them, and some of them I made a lot of money on. Where I'm like, oh well, I couldn't have made that in two years of working. Mm -hmm. And so because like, well, when I bought my first triplex. I bought that for 190,000 in Welland, which is nuts. Oh People don't God. even believe me, like 190,000 for a triplex in Welland. Like, um, so then I sold it. So I had, to, that was actually a, my, going back to when I felt the most stressed, probably the first one, cause I bought it with no money. Cause I bought it as a triplex to live in. Cause I was moving Not to it, Niagara yeah. and then down um, payment came from credit line or no, you were living in it. So you could put a really low down. Payment. Yeah, you could, and it was triplex. You only needed 10% and mm. it was 190,000. Oh, so it was, yeah, it was easy to come up with, but I ended up having to borrow the, the actual to find shop, you know, finish off. And then, uh, I got a home Depot, um, line of credit to do all the materials. And then I paid for all no. the renovations on my credit card. So Holy I was actually shit. doing it with a hundred percent leverage. The, the no money down yeah, dream, the, the no money down dream <laughs> in real life in Welland. And that was my first one. And then, so what ended up happening is I couldn't close on the day of closing. <laughs> and, um, the guy to extend it 24 hours, said, pay me $10,000 to extend it 24 no. hours. And I was like, we have the paperwork. It'll just be tomorrow. And he said, if you want the deal, he said, pay me 10,000 extra. And then I was like, really? Mm -hmm. And then, so I had to borrow. You didn't have a good real estate lawyer at that moment either. No, I, yeah. I didn't. In my, the real estate, first real estate lawyer I worked with, I think he was a hundred years old. Okay. Like literally he might've been, he I think he's the oldest man I met in my life. And, uh, it was just, you know, a random real estate lawyer. And like, he, uh, he wasn't wanting to fight at his age or yeah. anything. He yeah, was yeah. just like, oh yeah, I come up with the 10,000. Oh, I was like, 
like, okay. Thank you. So then I had to borrow it from somebody, but then they made me borrow it at like 13%. Oh. And then um, got that done. But then I got that project done. So I bought it. The actual final purchase price was 200000 Okay. Because I had to extend yep. it with that. Um, and then, but I sold it for three forty. dollars oh, wow. And then, so awesome. even after renovations, I took out, like that was actual cash in my yeah, bank. Good for so you. I had built all these credit lines that I used because I had actually tried to burr it, but then mm-hmm. the refinance came back poor because I was Did so it? early in Welland that yeah. people, it didn't have the- There's no good comparables. There was no comps in the area, exactly. So uh, now, I mean, that refinance would have oh, my double more than triple um so uh then uh, funny enough sold it to a japanese family no i don't way. know if that was a coincidence oh or whatever but um <laughs> the yeah so i sold it and then um that was the first time i had actual cash in my bank wow and i was like okay i can you know i can do, shit. do this yeah right. and then i bought my first um just duplex after that and then uh that one I bought it and I was like, it was a nice area of Welland and it was perfect. And I was like, this is great. But all I did was um, the owner actually lived in it. And then um, the upstairs gave notice that they were moving out. So I was getting it vacant without even having to do anything. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm getting a vacant duplex. And then it was a one bed and one bed. I turned the main floor into a two bed with a curtain. I just put a curtain up and made it a two bed. You're the the expert. (laughs) I actually built in a a drywall. You got drywall. Yeah, I did. I put some drywall up and then I turned it into a two bed and a one bed. And, um, then I rented it out and then instantly it was just worth a hundred thousand dollars like more because it now it had higher rents. It would have bigger units. And I was like, well, I should sell this. So I sold that one pretty much right away because it was like, okay, I was, um, I didn't have a high income even with my sales job because my actual salary was low. Sure. It was the commissions that was like making it up because my salary at the time was but only, the banks didn't count really. So yeah. Cause I was relatively newer into mm-hmm. that, um, sal- uh, commission role. And so like my salary was only, uh, I think 42,000 at the time. So I wasn't getting like a lot of loans on 42,000. And then, um, so I just sold it and made money on that one right away. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I used, now I'd built up enough cash where I was able to kind of buy like multiple. And then I was like, oh, I can put some down payments on these ones. And then, so um, was able to kind of go from there. And then that's when I started to bring in like kind of like JVs and some other stuff to, to, um, to just make it work. But those first two, and then everybody called me crazy on the first one too. That was the thing. Cause mm-hmm. they're like, you're but, you're but they didn't out. after they didn't. Yeah. Well, that I couldn't get, um, so it's always a really funny story. Cause my brother, um, we're like investment partners now. And on the first one, he's like, you're going to lose so much money on that property. And he, I guarantee it. Yeah. And he was like, you can't do, you know, cause uh, like my parents are not investors and you sure. know, um, they weren't able to help us financially but they are super supportive parents and that's where I find our outlier is is like even though they knew I was taking the risk they didn't tell me to not buy it they were like okay if you're doing the research and you think you can do this like I think you should that's rare for parents who were not investors themselves I know and that's why my like Canadian born in Canada um, well my mom was born in Scotland um, but she's pretty much lived in Canada like almost her entire life but she's technically Scottish immigrant yep. and um but my dad's side's been in Canada for a long time okay um but they're You're like lucky to have that yeah that's why I always say like they weren't able to help me financially mm-hmm. but like support wise mm-hmm. they've been such a huge like part awesome. of like because when I told them like I want to do Japan or I want to do these other things they were like okay but like what's the plan they would ask me like you know do you have like something like is there a reason for this it wasn't just like yeah live your life and do whatever you want yeah. to do they like were still realistic about it but they wanted to make sure like do you have like something in place but then my dad also like he kind of followed his passion when he was young and so he awesome. kind of was like a supporter of like yeah I think you should 
pursue things that you like as well. Wow. Um, you're lucky, man. Yeah. I was very fortunate in that yeah. sense. So, um, I was always like, cause I was bummed when I was younger, cause I always had to play, pay for all my sports and do my other things mm-hmm. just cause we didn't have a lot of yeah. money. But then it also meant that I've, I've been working since such a young age that I was taught able you. To, yeah. I, I learned so much more. Like I've had a job since grade six. I was timekeeping hockey games since grade six. Right. So it's like, you know, I've got used to finding jobs and working and doing those things. And, um, then, yeah. So I was, uh, lucky in that sense. And then my brother was like hesitant, but then he saw a couple of the ones and he's like, okay. And it's, I think it's also hard. He's my older brother. Mm-hmm. So you see your younger brother. Sure. Okay. He's my younger brother. He's trying to buy this. He's doing this. And then he saw, he's like, okay, he's been working with this coach now for two years. Mm-hmm. He's so bought the coach was a good help. The coach was a huge help. Awesome. Yeah. Cause I had actually tried to buy places in London before Niagara. Mm-hmm. And I worked with an agent who didn't know anything mm-hmm. at the time about investing. So he was giving me not great investing advice, but he, he just didn't know. Like he, sure. wasn't, it wasn't, he wasn't being malicious. No, he, he wasn't, really he wasn't know. even a bad agent. Yeah. He was a great residential yes. agent. And he there's just, a big difference. Yeah. He just didn't know about investing yeah. and there wasn't as many like resources and tools then. Cause we're talking like, you know, this, the, the first, because this is when I failed to buy and I waited before the next buy. So this would have been probably like 2015 or mm-hmm. something, 2014. Mm-hmm. So like it wasn't as easy and readily available, like resource wise. For sure. And, um, so he, I tried it and I failed, but then working with the coach God was because be. like, I like cried when I had to pay that extra $10,000 from sure. 190 I'm sure. to the 200, cause I'm, I was 23 yeah. buying my first place. And then I'm getting, I'm seeing that I have to borrow this extra $10,000. Oh, I wish you had check. a better real, for anyone listening, get a good le- real estate lawyer on closing. Yeah. They'll save you. <laughs> exactly. They will save you <laughs> for future reference. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so like I'm crying on my coach's couch in his office Oh geez. and I'm like, how am I going to do this? I'm going to lose all this money now. Cause like yeah. I have all this, per- yeah. like, you know, I'm signing this, is my first it's one. Normal. And he's like, yeah, somebody just died in my property like a month ago he's like the place burned down and the person died and it was like a big deal and i was i was like oh and then that kind of just put it back into perspective like okay well there's horrible things out there that could be happening and i'm i'm buying a triplex that i I just had to pay ten thousand dollars extra for but i'm getting to own a triplex at the time and it was just having the coach kind of refocus the mind chef uh, mindset at that time and i was like oh yeah okay this is an opportunity not like a curse this is like an amazing situation and um just having somebody who's able to and then he was the one who helped me with my systems on how to rent out places and how to uh like actually analyze properties and work with the um business development offices of the city to find out where the growth areas yeah, are going to be so and all those things that situation is so interesting to me because i try to tell everyone when you reflect on your own life on any moment in your life that you think is negative you can't tell me it's negative or positive in the moment mm. you always have to let two weeks three months three years whatever it is pass by and reflect back on it because that negative could have set you on the course for a massive positive so that ten thousand dollar thing that was the big negative where you're crying on the couch ultimately give you so much experience so much extra knowledge and so much confidence then going forward that you can get through anything that that was actually all a positive yeah but in the moment it felt like the worst negative of all time the world was ending yeah but it was if in your life you and i both know that that was a huge positive the stress muscle gets stronger it's like with anything right like you you get these like it's a little stress now, but back then it was a huge stress, but m- my stress muscle has gotten stronger. So now if that exact same thing happened, I'm not even going to even twice about it. We, Nick know? and I have been through so much. People will come in here and say, oh my gosh, I got this real estate problem. You're never going to believe what I'm going through. And we're like, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Right, yeah. All right. Try us, yeah. you know, and they're, and they'll say whatever it is. And we don't even flinch. And they're like, why are you not like freaking out? We're like, 
we've been through that exact situation 10 times, yeah. just that specific situation. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, oh, the basement flooded. It's like, all right, well, we're going to call the yeah. insurance company and we'll what get started. What are the three steps yeah, that we're doing exactly. next? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, because like one of the places in well into the basement did flood horribly. And like uh, at the time I was like, oh no, basement flood. And then it was like, okay, well, I called the insurance company and they called no the remediation company and they did this and it was taken from my hands. And it's like, oh, okay. Good. I'll never forget on Boxing Day, uh, we had a, a major sewage backup in a rental property in Oakville and my son was playing in a hockey tournament uh Niagara on the lake ish I guess it was Niagara on the lake and so I wasn't really close to Oakville and it was boxing day yeah. and there's literally water coming up and I remember being outside the arena in between his games just calling every single like plumbing hotline 24 hour <laughs> we answer anytime nobody was answering you know it was boxing, boxing day right yeah, yeah nobody's in finally somebody answers the phone and I'm begging them I will pay you I will meet you there tonight whatever we need yeah. to go now I'll give you a visa card right on the spot and I got somebody there I think I ended up there that night or that day and I remember one of the parents saying oh my gosh like I can't believe you're dealing with this right now like I will never own real estate yeah but then I broke down for them the time we purchased that property what it's worth today and the cash flow that it had earned over the few years and I'm like if you take the number of hours in a year that I've had to deal with that property and divide it by the equity in the, this moment and the cash flow. That phone call or that you know ninety minutes worth of like crazy phone calls. That's probably worth like twenty five thousand dollars to me. Yeah. That ninety minute like that is just like a non issue. It's probably some of the most valuable phone calls I could be making when you map it against the income and equity that I've earned on that property. Yeah. And even then they didn't get it. <laughs> They're like, oh, what? Yeah, oh, no I still way. don't want to do it. Yeah. I'm like, oh shit, I thought I had a brilliant answer for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you thought you were just slammed. Yeah, I'm like, listen, them. yeah, yeah, totally. I got you. Listen to this. Well, There's 90 minutes. Here's how much money I make in those. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no. And they're like, yeah, I'm still not. I'm still not going. Yeah. Where's the popcorn? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, they, like these to, to go back, like all these problems at the time, it's just stress muscle building and you have to, it's your journey as a real estate investor because you're going to get a problem. Yeah. And it's going to seem huge. And then, like you said, two, three, five years later, you're going to forget that that even happened. Yeah. Like, I forgot about the basement flood until you st we started yeah, yeah, to yeah. talk about the the flooding and the other thing. I was like, oh, yeah, there was a flood in the, the place in Welland because, like, it's just not even a thing on my psyche anymore because yeah. there's just other stuff to Go deal on. with. And, you know, I want to focus on. Well, how can I buy more places and how can I do? Well, that's the stuff you want to focus on. Not how totally. to, 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 to flood through. So, so I'm know? curious then, did you settle in on an amount of properties that was right for you? Because you kind of went and did these JVs, you got a bunch and then you're in different areas. Did you consciously say, okay, I want like back to your three examples? Like, okay, look, just give me three properties. I'll try to pay those off and that's all I need. Well, I think now that I know so much from like having bought multiple places and then well like i was with that coach for three years wow so i did three and people all again people called me crazy for having a coach sure. because i had to pay him Spending thousands much of dollars money? Yeah, year, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. what a waste and, of money yeah. that is and i'm going my one very first property that i cried over <laughs> paid for three years of coaching yeah. And I've bought however many more now sure. since that I don't even oh, have to think about an it. And all of that's with me. Yeah. And it's like, it's the same reason why I think like, you know, the VIP is so worth it. Like Rockstar VIP. Cool. Like I yeah, think because you. the amount of information you get versus how much I paid for coaching versus how yeah, much information totally. you yeah, get from yeah. the Rockstar VIP. People who've paid for coaching know if you've never paid, you don't quite get that. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. they just see the number and they go, oh, well, that sounds like a lot. And it's yeah. like, okay, well, go sign up with the real estate coach for 12 yeah. months yeah. and then come back to the Rockstar and then see how much it's worth. And especially like, you know, the, the accessibility to like the in-house coaches that they have here, like with the realtors that they can. Well, and just the other investors, like yeah. honestly, just different, like you and Connor hanging around, talking to people, like how yeah. valuable is somebody bumping into you and then you downloading on them in 30 minutes, all this information. Yeah. If they're on their second property, then they meet you. 
Like that's a priceless. When Nick and I were paying money, we could not afford to pay to go to marketing conferences in the States. Sometimes the biggest return was the guy we met sitting next to us at the conference mm -hmm. who was like, oh, you, you guys are doing this on like Facebook. Oh, no, 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 no. Do this, this, and this. And we yeah. were like, holy shit. Life-changing. Really, yeah. Oh my God. You know, looking back, it's like embarrassing we didn't know that. But at the yeah. time, the conference paid for itself with the guy sitting next to us, not not the people on stage, not not the other stuff. Yeah. So you just need to kind of put yourself into these positions where people like you are around that can share information. That's to me, that's why we talk about the Your Life, Your Terms events the way we do. We're like, hey man, we try to put on a good thing with good content mm -hmm. but honestly the people there are amazing talk to people network yeah. meet as many people as you can anyway i'm getting off track yeah Sorry. no well but it's it's worth it because like i do because like i said i was rockstar adjacent for so long yeah and then cool. i got connor Involved. Yeah, thank you for that. Because such he, a great he guy. Dove in he dove in hard. He's yeah. like rock star. Who are you, people? Now that I think of that, he's getting a tattoo. I think. Is and he? No, I'm just kidding. But he, oh, he, he just I didn't think of tattoo. No, he, just, he, he just talks about it all the time. And then, so he became a VIP before I did. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then he was like, "Hey, I think you should like you Spencer. Know, what's going on? He leapfrogged you. I, he You're did. The, what the hell's going on? He did. Dude? I know. So then he after it was funny because I introduced him. He dives in like crazy. And then I'm like, wow, Connor's getting like so much more out of this now. And I've been like. You know, I, I, like a member, but I wasn't a VIP member for a while. And I was like, what? what's going on? And then I joined and I'm like, oh, like now I see the difference. Because like you said, when you meet with the VIP members, mm. that's people who care. Yeah. And that's people a good group. who are actually trying mm. to get better and they want to learn. And, you know, there's the and they're also different. And everybody's got a different investment model. This yeah. person does storage and this person Wild. does. Oh, I only do duplexes. I won't buy anything yeah. else but duplexes. And then this person only buys single family. And this people, person will buy anything, anywhere, anytime. Doesn't matter yeah. what city. <laughs> and then so it's like, oh, OK. And then, oh, you met somebody who actually is doing commercial large apartments. Now I can have the conversation with them because, like, you know, when I started to work with I, I've always done multifamily investing. And then um, that's part of why I became a real estate agent was because I was like helping friends buy places as a not real estate agent. Yeah. And I was like, hey, here's my three years that I paid for of education's worth of value that I'm going to help my free. friend make money for for, for free. That I, and I'm like going on like property tours with people with their agent. Totally. So I'm helping their agent buy yeah. like this place with them. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this that's and, what we used I, to do. Yeah. Giving them my cash flow sheets that I've like paid for with the coaching yeah. and these other things. And we're like breaking down numbers. And I'm like, this area is great. And this is the rent. And I'm like, doing this i'm like why am i not getting paid so was that the thought process that then you ultimately said i'll just get my license well and i was spending so much time on it like and i was like working as a real estate agent for myself like even though i had worked with like by the time i got to niagara i worked with more investor focused agents and so like i was like getting value from working with them because you, you should only work with an investor focused mm -hmm. agent and um then I was getting the actual value from that. And then I was like, okay, well, that was great. And then I was like, well, how much more can I help people if I was a full-time real estate agent? Because I've spent years, tens of thousands of dollars, headache, you know, yeah. blood, sweat, and Stress, tears. Crying on a couch. To, yeah, crying on a couch to become a good investor who knows all of these things. And then it's like, well, I'm helping people because people were messaging me and texting me and because they weren't even like buying in my area, but they're like, what do you think about sure. this? And I yeah. was like, I know I can't tell them area spe specific stuff, but I could tell them principles like the oh, principles really don't change. Yeah. Yeah. And so, oh, here's what you need to look for. As long as it does this, yeah. then you can do this. And then they would be like, okay. And then I was like, well, I should just be an agent. And then that's when I finally decided to get my license. And then, um, it just kind of worked because I was already and you got your license and now you primarily work with investors in the London area 
or no, just everywhere? I'm, I'm pretty exclusive to London. Oh, now. you are. Yeah, okay. I'm so just, London area investors, that's who your client, your, your preferred clients are yeah, those people. Exactly. Like I've, I have done some stuff in KWC cause like that's the area I sure. grew up in. Yeah. Like I'm familiar with like Kitchener Waterloo, but I would say from like an investment standpoint and from like a being an agent standpoint, I've been like almost exclusively London. Hmm. What's your take? What's your take on London right now? Like what's, cause I'll, I'll tell you for years, we started this business in 2007. Rockstar was incorporated in 2008, but we started like a year before out of another brokerage mm-hmm. kind of thing. And for years, we weren't going to London. We were only doing student rentals in London. We were doing anything else because we were like, ah, it's just not getting the appreciation. Mm-hmm. Now we know that's all changed in the last few years. Yeah. And, you know, families from Toronto are like moving back home to London for affordability reasons and stuff. What's your take on the next 10 years for London? Like, what are you seeing out there? A lot more students are staying in London uh, because of affordability. God. So yeah, I never really thought like, of that. They graduate. Yeah. Yeah. And they might do an extra year or two. Oh, that's great for the city. Yeah. And then because now and they're looking at Toronto prices Mm. and they're going like, well, a one bedroom now is twenty eight hundred dollars. Oh, my gosh. And Western alone has probably got an enrollment of like 40,000 kids every year. Is it 60 plus the. Oh, my gosh. So um, and then. So, yeah. And then you have Fanshawe, which is also like a massive college. So just from the, the student influx of people who come there to study. And then they're like, well, I think I'll stick around because it's actually huh. like now it's getting because yeah, like you got the London Knights down there. There's kind of stuff, some stuff. Happening. We're getting nice and cool like restaurants now. Like and that's why I started like downtown my, London still got a little bit of sketch. Oh, it's so got let's, a let's, lot of sketchiness. So like I'm <laughs> definitely like I there's there's areas that I tell people like you can't invest here. Just don't even do yeah. it. The price looks good. For whatever reason, whenever I drive with Aiden to Western or go visit him, I always drive through those areas of downtown. Yeah. I don't know why Waze seems to take me right through those areas. Probably like construction or something. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. you're on yeah, Dundas yeah, yeah. and if you drive over Dundas it's like where am I where yeah, am yeah, I yeah, right yeah, now yeah. Like, this is not Canada mm-hmm. anymore because no one time like, I drew, drove through one of those areas at like uh, at night oh geez. and I was looking around and going holy shit like I'm not really scared but I don't think I want to get out of my car right now I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't in some of the it's like it's pretty the good news is it's really um located in kind A of tiny like zone yeah. yeah of like if, if you just don't go there you'll almost never see it yeah. basically especially if you go to like any of the corners of the city you never see because it's it's really isolated to this like one spot yeah, center downtown yeah. um for a while we were always driving in and driving through that past that one strip joint sign that was like the beef, beef. Baron. beef yeah baron. what is it called it just says beef. in my mind the sign just says beef it does strip it, joint it, like it, only in london do i see this yeah sign? and it's a big sign it, it is a huge sign and it just and the first thing you do what see is, is just be, beef, beef baron beef baron yeah okay, i don't even remember the baron and, part. um so yeah but it just like the beef is really highlighted. Yeah, it definitely really, would stand out. Really. But it's like that's not a strip club. I want to go. I don't want to go to any strip club at all. But I mean, like, if I'm gonna go to one, I'm not gonna go to it the one that always gives a there. big laugh from the whole thing. The other one downtown at least has like a fancy name. It's called Solid Gold. So, oh yeah, you know, yeah. There's all every city's got. There's a Solid Gold is always the, the strip joint name in a city. Somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So um, beef bear, ugh. but the. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So like London is changing a lot though. So like when I started my YouTube channel, it's called living in London with Spencer. And the reason I wanted to show off like London locations is because of like a lot of people don't know the restaurants that we have and they don't know, like mm. there's like entrepreneurs and restaurateurs in London who now have like four or five different restaurants in London oh, that wow. are like awesome. different types of awesome. food. Like one's pizza, one's like high scale, one's tacos, like one's that, you know, and they're like building these awesome businesses. Yeah, Cause the London. nice areas of London are really nice. Really nice. Yeah. yeah. And then, but I mean, even on the East end, which mm. like, so people, 
view East London as bad. They always say East of Adelaide okay. is the bad area. Okay. But in, in, and that is true, but it stops at Highbury, which is another north-south road. Yeah, because then just east of there is all those new subdivisions. Exactly. You know? That's yeah. what it starts to get. So because of that, but there's a lot of old areas there that are awesome for investment mm. because, you know, they're bungalows built in the 60s. I drive by those. Yeah, yeah I see and, those. But they're, they're good, solid builds. It was a, like it nice It reminds community. me of Hamilton a long time ago. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. So then like those were like had great opportunities for like, you know, basement suites or other things like that. And then, um, and then like you said, there's a lot of new building out on that side because that's kind of where it's like extending mm. towards. So it's really just that column Adelaide to high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, that's where I'm like, and what, cause you kind of got to go through it. It's a little bit fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is to, to see what's going on. One time I was getting my locks. Um, I was getting keys cut because a unit was turning over and the locksmith is right across from the police station, but it's just on the edge of that like crazy area. And this homeless guy walks up with this pipe No, and he just starts smashing the police station windows. No. And I guess they're like, yeah, people do that. Cause they like want to get sent to jail. Oh God. Cause they're get like, a, yeah, I guess get a meal. Yeah. Just go get sent to jail. So they'll just go and like smash up the police station. That's awesome. That's and the police are like, get lost, buddy. We're yeah, full tonight. Yeah. Half the time they're like, oh, we can't even take you right now. So they just like <laughs> put them out the thing. But no, like not to bash London too much because it is like the, the other areas. We, yeah. I know tons of families moving back and they're loving it. Like, yeah. yeah we know we're having a bit of fun here, but no, London. And, and isn't it just on the north side too? Isn't there some new subdivisions like 30 minutes north of London uh, developing? Or maybe I have it wrong. On all corners. Uh, yeah. There's, there's new, new subdivisions. On, like in north, south, east, and west, there's okay. new subdivisions on every corner of the city, which is like, that's the biggest thing that's holding London back when you talk 10 years mm-hmm. is getting around London is the worst city to get around on like when you're driving. So if you're kitty corner, you need to get, you know, north yeah, west, you go and you got in your Southeast, that's 30 minutes, yeah. 35 minutes, yeah. depending on traffic, which, you know, if we had a ring road or some sort of like LRT or something yeah. that's going to like make travel around needs another highway connecting somewhere. You're right. Cause if I get off at the wrong exit and they're like, oh shit. And then to get to like Western, I'm like, I have to cut through everything and it yeah. takes forever. You got to yeah. drive through like the core of yeah. the city yeah. and it's a big thing yeah. where like, you know, Kitcher Waterloo has the highway seven, eight. It's beautiful. You can get from Cambridge to North Waterloo in 17 minutes. Yeah. And that's three cities you've just, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> whereas like London, it's like 30 minutes to get end to end of the one city. So like, that's not like some of the, the negatives, but there's lots of positives too. Like, so they got one of the uh, largest entertainment complexes um, was built. Funny enough, these poor guys, they, they launched February, 2020 oh, <laughs> was no. their launch date. And it's called a hundred Kellogg place, but okay. it's got like breweries. It's got, um, full uh is it by the old kellogg factory it is there? the old kellogg it factory. is the yeah, oh so i didn't know this why, okay. yeah so basically they it's a hundred thousand square feet of entertainment wow yeah so it's got like all of like the foam pits and like the high ropes but it's also got like trampoline parks it's got the children's museum part of it's there did, did it survive it's still operating yeah so okay. they they made it through um because they had a couple um businesses that rented on the higher floors okay um and i think that that helped subsidize and then because they had a few restaurants that were still doing like some okay sort of takeout stuff awesome. so they were Good but all, all of their like entertainment stuff i think struggled like especially they had a they have a whole like VR um, like video game cafe yeah, experience there's like nobody was doing that at the time so um, but like you know London has that now and then across the road well they're building like they they've, there was this other really ugly factory I can't remember what it was um, but they're putting like eight towers there now oh they are yeah right across from this 100 Kellogg place so they, they've oh, got 100,000 so London's feet. really changing yeah and so I'm that's pretty about, close to the downtown no it's not, not far, far yeah it'd be like seven minutes yeah okay and yeah. Um, so like when I see these changes happen like because London used to suck I'm not gonna lie like 10 years yeah, there was ago, nothing going on there was it was so boring yeah. Yeah. there was nothing happening like restaurants wise you know you're maybe getting like 
just the classic pizza joint that was sitting on the corner for yeah. the last 50 years and it was fine pizza mm -hmm. and it was whatever and you you know you're still gonna go there but it's just like it didn't have anything of like value yeah. but these last like five years i would say like it's just such a different city our friends the tahini's guys are out there yeah tahini's yeah i actually just went to one, one of their, their meetups yeah because yeah, oh, right. it was a bitcoin meetup oh, awesome. and um they uh they had uh, a guy flying from texas uh, oh cool i didn't and, know about this yeah it was a big big there was actually so many people there shit i'm gonna tell ali where yeah. where was my invite yeah uh, you should because shit. it was it was huge and then oh. he, the guy he flew in from texas and um it turns out his wife's Canadian, even though he lives awesome. in Texas. And yeah. so their son's like looking at going to Western. Oh. And so he did like a math camp at Western. So then they're like, oh, why don't you do a speech here? So cool. And uh, yeah, so the, like exactly. They like those are businesses that are like growing mm -hmm. in London. And mm -hmm. like there's a bunch of tahinis around the city. And that's like a, a a newer place that you can get. Were you at our event when him and Omar shared their story? Um, they opened up. Him and his brother were on stage at one of the Your Life Your Time. I've heard him a few times yeah? okay. now, so I don't. It's all kind of blended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their sure, story, sure. but yeah, they're great they're, guys. Yeah, they are awesome yeah. guys, and that was the first time I had met him in person. Awesome. Like I'd seen him a few times, yeah, yeah. but I'd never met him. But um, yeah, and then like all these other restaurants and these other entertainment complexes and these things that are opening that just didn't exist before. And then like even when because it's been changing, like there was this new bar that opened that like, cause Joe Cools is like a London staple. I don't know if you've heard that name before. Yeah. So yeah. it's just been like, you know, even when my parents were 19, that was like Joe Cools is around, but there's like another bar that just opened like that is catering to more of the sophisticated, Oh wow! Late twenties, yeah. early thirties. So people are sticking around if that yeah, kind of place exactly. is there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and and that place is bumping. You can't even get in because wow. there's that there was an opportunity for it, and the people saw it. And, yeah. and and it's like it's higher end. You kind you don't wear like you know suits, but you need to wear. It's not, it's not the Western bars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's dress code yeah. there, and so like they're getting these sort of more sophisticated bars where it's like catering to that. Mm mid thirties. Even it's got the Western's got the big hospital. There's another big hospital in London. You got kind of that going. Oh yeah. There's well. in, in the children's hospital in London. Um, people fly in to that oh, hospital. They? Yeah. Okay. They've got a lot of like experts there that are like, it, you know, resident experts. And I know there. one of the biggest physiotherapy centers like in Canada is there. Cause yeah, the Kennedy Aiden, Fowler son, clinic. Yeah, that's right. Cause when Aiden, uh, dislocated his uh, shoulder skiing up at Blue Mountain. He went back to Western and uh, one of the physio guys I know here in Burlington said, oh my gosh, you're in luck. Like he's a student at Western. I'm like, yeah, he, yeah. they're like, he's going to get right in. Yep. And it's that whatever clinic you just Kennedy mentioned. Fowler, yeah. And it was awesome. They they treated him like gold. It was amazing. They were on the forefront of like a lot of treatments and surgeries and other things like that. Like they are... Um, cutting edge when it comes to mm -hmm. that stuff and that's in london and it's attached to western mm -hmm. and that's where western because it has like um their medical school and the other things like they funnel to the hospitals too so they kind of have like a supply mm -hmm. of Makes doctors sense. and these yeah. other things so um it's growing it's not perfect far from perfect sure but the prices are still good too right and that's why like when and I, I don't know if we talked about this on camera or not but when we were talking about people buying houses or not and like why do people take action on it and what about young people and because like the perfect example like on my youtube channel um i did a video about a pizza restaurant that opened up and it's an awesome pizza restaurant it's some of the best pizza what's the name it's called um through thick and thin oh um and then uh the, the pepperoni pizza there's really good but the um you know that video on my channel did like pretty well views wise compared to my other videos and then i broke down like hey here's how you can buy a duplex in london right now working a minimum wage job and i broke down the actual numbers and i was like using real rates real incomes real and everything so you were saying somebody working minimum wage how long they would have to save for the down payment what yeah was well because a duplex you only need five percent 
And then if you're a couple, like let's say you're just a husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, mm-hmm. whatever, you both work uh, minimum wage starting October 1st, minimum wage minimum is 1655. Mm-hmm. Well, that's roughly 35,000 a year. So uh, those people together are now making 70,000. Well, it's like, okay, that's getting you like into being able to like start to purchase maybe something. And then it's like, well, there's tons of couples who know each other who both want to buy who can't buy separate, but you can buy a duplex together. And now you can buy a $600,000 duplex. Well, you're getting a nice space for $600,000 in duplex in London. Like that very livable, very, hmm. and, and you're paying rent anyways. And I broke down the numbers. It's like, you guys can own a duplex in London paying $1,700 a month to own. Mm-hmm. Instead of rent. And then that's well, going to be less than rent out there for a house. I, you know, rent for two bedrooms yeah. now is 1800, mm-hmm. 1850 plus hydro. So then it's like, so you're paying less than you'd pay for a two bedroom, but you own the place and you can actually do this. And then that video does poorly because nobody know. like wants to actually buy a place. And, and I was running the numbers based on minimum wage. Hmm. So if you make anything above minimum wage, those numbers adjust. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, now if you can buy something for 700,000, well, a 700,000 duplex in London is going to be like, you know, really nice now where you guys are going to be happy to live there. Not like, oh, you know, we're just trying to get into the market type thing. You're like, oh, I could live here for five years. No problem. And then what does that rent out for? If an investor was to work for, with you, rent, buy it and rent it out, what's it renting out for? Let's just use the average basement suite. So like yep. you bought a bungalow, yep. put a two bedroom in the basement. Yep. You got three bedrooms upstairs. You're looking at roughly 2250 on the main floor plus hydro. And then you're looking at roughly 1850 in the basement plus hydro. So like 4100, 4200. And how long would it take me to fill it? You know, six to eight weeks, three months, no, one like month? One month, yeah. One month. I would say one month. Um, like I just filled uh, one of my basement units and it took me like two weeks. Hmm. Um, and then I kept getting people like back to the slumlord talk, like people were like really misrepresenting their units and using like fake photos basically. And then I had people showing up saying like, Come on. I'm so glad your place looks Come like Come on, photos. is that what people are doing? Yeah, so then that's when you, you just like stand out if you like act with integrity though. Yeah. Like, oh, here's the real units. Yeah. And, and when they showed up and they saw like, oh, this is the, even the same furniture from the units. Like this is obviously the place. And uh, they were like so excited. So I filled them um, pretty quick. Uh, what are you, uh, I wanna ask you what you're gonna do next, but something's, you know, something's kind of been bugging me lately. It's just that I think of so many students going to university and they're still on the path in 2023 of like, oh, okay, like you finished university, go get a job. And I know a bunch of them who are renting in downtown Toronto because they wanna be like downtown yeah. Toronto is kind of fun for a few years at least, rents through the roof. They're working this job. I know their income isn't, I keep, uh, we just talked, we had a big meeting about uh, money supply growth in Canada, M2. So it's just on my yeah. mind today, I keep saying it. But if you hear me say M2, it's just the, the amount of money supply growth in Canada. And I keep thinking, oh my gosh, like if they just stay on that path, like I know their life 30 years and, and it, it could possibly suck because they're not good. Their incomes aren't going to outpace the growth of the money supply. And when I say growth of the money supply, what I mean is your purchasing power has to keep pace with the money supply growth, because if it doesn't, the money supply grows faster and it devalues your personal purchasing power. So like your income better increase, like if inflation, forget the official inflation, but if inflation or M2 is growing at like 10% a year, you better hope your income's growing at 10% a year. Otherwise you're falling behind. So even if you get a raise and that compounds, so if it grows at 10% a year and you're growing your income at 5% a year, after a decade, you can afford shit and it's it's gone and i just feel like shaking some of these people in a good way i guess and go like fuck i know you fucking hate real estate but the fucking leverage is the only way you're gonna fucking outpace m2 growth yeah and then they're gonna be like well what's m2 and i'm like yeah 
Mark, you gotta learn what I'm doing. No, I don't want to start talking yeah. about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so you're giving me flashbacks to that, and I'm sure a lot of your friends. We don't have to talk about that, but like might be on that path. And sometimes I'm like, oh man, if they just get one property. But anyway, I want to ask you because you, like you're blazing this crazy awesome path. What the hell is going to be next for you? Like when I look at someone like you, acting, real estate license, not afraid of getting into things, fly to Japan, dive into real estate, move to Niagara, help your buddies get properties, you know, do stuff with your family. You have to deal with all the shit that entails because there's good stuff with real estate. There's bad stuff that you have to explain yeah. to people with real estate. Like yeah. it's, a, it's a complete shit show. What, like, so you're, what I'm trying to say is you're a very capable person. You know, like you said, you have that face for radio. Yeah. You know, what I mean? <laughs> so you're a very capable person. What the hell is going to be your next 10 years? Like, what do you think you're going to do? Are you going to work in real estate for a while longer? Yeah. What do you do next? Because honestly, for someone as capable as you, and I mean this kind of as a compliment, you know, because it's you're obviously that person. It, life can get a little bit frustrating because if you don't find your purpose that you really connect with, you, you're going to be good at so many things. Life can get a little too easy. Mm-hmm. And you really won't know where to apply yourself. Um, are you at that still? Like, where are you in life? And what's your next move? Well, right now, I really do, because of what you were saying with M2 Money Supply, our purchasing power just evaporating, your income. Getting destroyed. Doing stuff like that. Like, I'm I'm watching this happen to friends. I'm watching this happen to family. So, it's like, so frustrating. I'm becoming way more passionate about being like, Hey, I want to help you do this because like when I see like uh, my friends and family like struggling, it's like, where are you going to be struggling? And they can't articulate why. Yeah. And and it's like, what about 10 years? And so I've been really, really a lot more passionate about telling people like when I said cool. early on, just get one. <laughs> you don't yeah. need a thousand. Yeah. You don't need a hundred. You don't need to start a business. Just get a townhouse. Please. Just get something. <laughs> because that's the only thing that's actually protecting your dollars. Yeah. That's the only thing that's protecting your purchasing power. That's the only thing that's going to protect our future. Because some of them will talk about pensions and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh. sure, maybe. Sure, maybe. If that's what you want to go by. But your pension's going to be 1800 bucks. I got two people about going. My cousin in Croatia was promised a pension. Now he's on it. He's like, Tom, I feel like I was lied to. Like, it's worth nothing because their inflation just went crazy, like so many countries around the world. And then I have a family member here about to go on pension here in Canada. And he's saying the same thing. He's like, this pension I worked for for like 43 years or whatever it was. He goes like, now that I'm looking at it, it's kind of going to be shitty. Yeah. So you're right. Like I I tell people, pretend that the pension doesn't exist. It's a bonus. Because if you are able to retire on it later, great. Then all of the work you did is extra. You got extra money. You can live a little bit better, blah, 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 because we don't know what's going to happen with these pensions, you know, as the population's age as well. And so I'm looking at these things and I'm going like, I like transacting. Well, first of all, you, you can be really creative as a real estate agent, too, and help people with their their lifestyles. I just had an awesome meeting with um, some clients recently and they were in a super unique situation, but it was like so exciting to see that the life that like we could help them build. So he owns like a really nice house in London, but all his kids have moved out. So he's got this big, nice house in London. He's like, I don't need this. Mm -hmm. He's like, what am I going to do with this? And his son was there. His son wants to start investing. And they're like, well, we already kind of talked about him selling it. What do you think about that? And I was like, well, I can't tell you to sell it because that's like a choice to you guys. Right. Like like, that's a life. And and, and I was like, but if you do, let's run the scenario. I was like, I'm not going to tell you to do it, but we'll, we'll run some theoreticals. We ran one theoretical and they like their mind was so unbelievably blown because he has a, a mortgage on it. And if he sells the house, then he could buy a duplex in cash. So his mortgage goes to zero. 
He can rent out the basement, get eighteen fifty in income coming in, and he has money to buy another investment that would also cash flow potentially up to fifteen hundred dollars. Wow! From him selling his one too big of a house that he doesn't need. So I'm like, okay, well, what's the income swing on that? Because you're not paying your fifteen hundred dollar mortgage anymore. You're getting paid eighteen fifty, and then you're also getting paid for the cash flow of this next yeah. place. It's like we're just doing this cash flow. And I'm like, you can almost retire in this one thing, and he's in his early fifties. He's not even looking to retire. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, so imagine like you're on, you're like saving on steroids now because he already has. He's got money in the bank. He's a good saver too. So like they're they're financially yeah. responsible people. So I'm like, if you did this and you're already financially responsible, you're just injecting like nitrous into your savings and your wealth because you now have. Instead of one property that's too big for you, you have two properties that are useful because he's like, well, I only need like the main floor is my kids are moved out and whatever. And, and he'd like, be happy to do it. And so I'm looking at it. I'm like, and those are the exciting things where you have to get creative to kind of break down the model and do these other things where I still find like the challenge of being a real estate agent is like, how do we maximize this? How do we build it for you? And that's still really exciting for me. Awesome. Um, I do from the investor side. I don't like get as excited to myself anymore. Like, oh, buy a place basement yeah, suite because yeah. I've done it right. Yeah. Like, I've done it a ton of times yeah. now. Where okay, buy a place basement suite. Okay, we get get the designer yeah. through there. I got to yeah. butt heads with the city. Yeah, I got there's no more adrenaline signing the new lease. Yeah, it like, doesn't. It doesn't mean it's like. I remember nothing. before I'd sign a lease. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. finally, filled, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, yeah, I filled. You know, I, I don't know how many yeah. leases I've got signed. I couldn't even give you a number. Yeah. And um, so it's like, you know, that's I've done it. What my stretch goal that I'd like to do is I would like to get to development in the future and actually mm-hmm. be building places because that's the next level of butting heads with the city cool. and yeah. finding because, you know, new build, new development. And it would still probably be purpose built rentals in some capacity because I'd want to keep some of it. And then but also have the residential side where it's like, OK, maybe we just sell these as like the cash flow part of the business with the wealth building side on the development. So that's like where I'd like to grow to. Um Right now, my focus is just like building the real estate business because um, I didn't focus on it as a business as much because I was kind of treating it as like, oh, well, this is my job and I help people buy places. Oh, so you're changing your thinking on it. And now it's like, okay, well, this is a business, you know, it's it's my job. Like I am the business, Mm -hmm. but it is a business. And so like now I hired a marketing company and now um, I hired like an inside sales guy. Awesome. Because I was like the classic victim of like, oh, uh, no, I don't want to say victim, the classic bad habit of, oh, I've got a bunch of deals going on. I'm stopping Too marketing. Yeah. I'm not going to reach out to anybody. working in the business, yeah, not on the exactly. business. Exactly. Yeah. And then so I wanted to I refocus on like, well, how do I build this so that I'm making sure everybody's getting the best possible service that they can mm-hmm. have, but I also can keep the business growing in the background where it's not just totally. like feast or famine, feast or famine. That's how we and, start. Like Rockstar yeah. exists just on that. We just focused on working in the business, but then also working on the business. Mm-hmm. And we just kept that going for years. And then it was like, holy shit. Like we have this actual business, yeah. you know? So yeah, you're sitting on a great business and the service that you're providing to the community, just to have those conversations with people like that mm-hmm. and other people like your, the whole minimum wage thing, the, the videos that you're putting out, like the impact that you're having on the community is nice for me to hear about because I just feel like you're impacting people in a positive way and we just need more of you out there. So it's awesome what you're doing and bringing all your experience all the time, all the money, all the stress, all the curtain pulling yeah. that you've done over the years. <laughs> and now you're sharing all that experience at like a, such a young age too. Like it's really cool. Yeah. The, the hard part was just like, you know, cause I, I did grow up without having a lot of money in the house. Like again, I was yeah. a loving, amazing household, yeah. but we didn't have a yeah, lot. I get and it. so it was wanting to grow that. And that's like been a big internal motivator for me of like, how can I also grow like my family's wealth? 
and you know being the best real estate agent i can and being the best investor i can is that and then well how do i be the best real estate agent i can well it's making people the most money that i can mm-hmm. or you know just providing the best possible service that i can yeah. is going to educating yeah educating and like cuz even um i have a because i, I was so big on personal finance cuz i had to be so tight with my money over all these years like when i was living on couches like uh, me just be, like giving people wake up calls on spending and other things just having that general conversation i feel good with that because like i'm not a financial advisor but i can give them money habit yeah. tips right like and and then seeing people being like oh yeah we did this we started saving and some of them i stole from you guys like some of it is the cash buckets and yeah. and, and stuff like that and uh it's just like hey you know have this here have this ready you know own the hard assets do these other things like um i've stopped te- like you know telling people to like buy bitcoin as much so now because i'm not like bitcoin with me and bitcoin I still feel like I'm learning so much, even though like mm-hmm. I dove into it personally very heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like yeah, I forgot you did that as well. Holy yeah, shit. people need to um, wake up to it on their own. Like I don't want to like force yeah. it down their throat. So like if anybody asks questions on stuff like that, like I'll fill them in on answers. But I don't like lead with that with the financial stuff because I think just baseline money habits are way more important to start with sure. getting like focused. Yeah. And then again, like just buying that first, just buy one. That's like just my, like this should be my tagline. I yeah. should put it on, just buy one, please. Just in case. Because well, and it's in, <laughs> so I have friends who live in rent in Toronto who bought a place in London because they bought it in a really like inexpensive area. It's a small entry level home, but they own a place and they rent in Toronto. Yeah. Good so for and now they're fine. It doesn't matter what you're renting. Because you can still live that Toronto lifestyle yeah. if you buy the place somewhere else. It doesn't have to be London. Like, I just say London because that's where I live. Maybe but we like, just say get one property and then over time just get one Bitcoin too. Yeah. That we just, go, that nah, works too. just like the one and one. The one and one. Just buy one. <laughs> buy one. Yeah. Like, you don't have to dive in heavy. And like, you know, again, if you DCA your Bitcoin and it's not like a, as sure. huge of a But I think you're right. Like, people have to come to that on their own conclusion because it's a wild ride. It is. And like, if you haven't woken up to it, mm-hmm. you're still just viewing it as like, well, what's the price? Yeah. And then you're going to panic every it's single so time. so much deeper, yeah. And so, like, you know, I have to have that conversation and be like, okay, well, maybe it's an interesting tool because I'm still learning myself. I'm not even a thousand percent confident with Bitcoin that it's like, it's the perfect solution mm-hmm. that we're going to be in a hundred years. It's going to be this. Like, so I can't like say, hey, you have to buy this where I can confidently say like, buy a house, please buy a yeah. house. <laughs> because like, I know. You can see it. Because whenever you talk about like on, on your economic updates and these other things, when you talk about M2 money supply and sovereign debt and all these things, it's like, guys. There's a clear yeah. and only one answer. It seems odd. like I feel like looking around like doesn't anyone else yeah. see this? Like <laughs> I'm the only the information one. Information right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so like and then you know you have the conversation, well we can't buy it's too expensive and like you know perfect example if you are working minimum wage and you're working at Tim Hortons or if you're working at like people I know people who work at Starbucks and live downtown Toronto. Yeah. Work at Starbucks and live in Sudbury for yeah. 2 years. Yeah. Oh. What a leapfrog. Yeah, and yeah. then move back For to sure. Toronto, just do two years. Yeah. And I'm saying, you know, Sudbury's far, but like you're working the same minimum wage. You're getting paid the exact same dollar and you're going to Sudbury. Now you're buying a duplex by yourself. So now you've got an income yeah. helping you with the basement unit. And then you only you need do to do crazy things. I feel like you're going to move to Sudbury no, just to prove a point and put it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I moved to Sudbury for Where's two years. <laughs> living with, uh, living in Sudbury. With <laughs> yeah, I just changed the second deal. YouTube channel. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's it, it like, I just use that as an example because most people like like you said they just want to Toronto that's where all the stuff is blah, blah blah it's like sacrifice one year sacrifice two years and then you can move back to Toronto comfortably you don't even have to do that like you can do these same things in London or in Niagara region or yeah. in you know um, Woodstock like Kingston, Windsor Woodstock yeah, yeah. Like Windsor oh yeah exactly Belleville wherever all these places yeah. it's like if you 
want to get creative, you can get in totally. still and you only have to sacrifice one or two years. Yeah. You don't need to do 10 years. Agreed. It's one or two years and then you can Sets live life however you want. Just get the one. And so, yeah. Where can people find you? Um, so I have my website, which is living in London with Spencer.ca. Um, then my, but my Instagram is probably the most accessible, which is living in London with Spencer is my Instagram. Um, and like, even if you don't like, you're not looking to buy in London and you just want questions. Like I just like talking <laughs> probably too much. So like I say, people like just reach out if you have questions, right? Like, cause like sometimes like you said, like maybe they're not a VIP member and they don't get to have that opportunity mm -hmm. necessarily right away to like have conversations with somebody who's like, Oh, you, oh, so you started investing young and you did this and blah, blah, blah. And, um, so I just say like, yeah, reach out to me on Instagram, living in London with Spencer. Um, my website is like my actual realtor website, living in London with Spencer.ca. But awesome. then, um, if you want to hear me like yell even more, my YouTube channel is Living in London with Spencer as well. It's I got all the branding. And we'll link stuff. to all of these on and, the show notes. Um, the that's basically just me yelling at the camera. But I also do show, because <laughs> uh, I get so passionate sometimes when I'm talking about the, the buying stuff. Um, but the a lot of the stuff is me showing cool restaurants around the city just to show that's off. Because like smart. I, had, I had people message me, like somebody I hadn't talked to in 10 years was like, I didn't think London would have a place like that. And I haven't talked to them in 10 years. And they're like, wow, that was cool. Next time I go to London, I'm going to that place. Well, if you keep doing that, it's, it's going to serve people. It's also going to serve you personally. That's a great approach. I just had my first, the restaurant just told me the first person came in and said, we saw this video Something from some YouTube. guy yeah. named yeah. living in London with Spencer. And he said your pizza was really good. So we came in and that was the first time. And I was like, wow. So people are actually, oh. and then I guess those people left and they said, this was great. We didn't know you guys were here. Awesome. And then, so like, I'm not getting paid by the restaurants. I'm not getting anything, but then knowing that this group of people went there just because they saw the video and they're having, they're like, man, this was great. And so the restaurant one, you know, those people, people won and then like more people are liking London right so that's kind of I think like everybody's unfortunately winning. I got to wrap I yeah, feel like there's fine. another hour and a half easy talking <laughs> to you anything else you want to share uh we covered a lot of ground but if you want to say something as we wrap no say that's it, it. Okay. like basically at the end of the day it's the important stuff of guys like just I don't care where you live I don't care like obviously and that's cool for me that you're saying that because I think if we all help each other we don't need anyone else there's enough of us all out here yeah. and if we each pull each other up and share with each other we can all help the community yeah and I think that's super valuable. So I did one more thing. Yeah, yeah, go. Sign up, of for, sign oh. up for Rockstar VIP. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Too, you're too kind. Too, too kind. Spencer, thank you for doing this, man. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank My you. pleasure. Thanks for having me. A big thank you to Spencer for sharing his story with us all. You absolutely rock, Spencer. You can check out his website at www.livinginlondonwithspencer.ca, his Instagram at livinginlondonwithspencer, and his YouTube at livinginlondonwithspencergatton. If you just Google living in London, I'm sure he's going to come up with all those handles, and you can meet up to 1,000 incredible investors like Spencer Gatton at the upcoming Your Life, Your Terms event in Mississauga that we're hosting on Saturday, October 14th, 2023 in Mississauga. Go to www.yourlifeyourtermsevent.com to check out the full event details now and register if you're a Rockstar Inner Circle member as well as bring guests. Um, and if you're not a Rockstar Inner Circle member, the early bird ticket sale for non-members is coming soon. So keep an eye out for that and you can still buy a ticket to attend this event. It's going to be awesome. Thank you for listening, everyone. And we hope to catch you on the next episode.